Sports fans rejoice. You're listening to my team, my voice with MTMV Sports. What's good? It's your boy Stephen Malcolm and you are listening to MTMV Sports. Let's get it. Yo, 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 this your boy E-Hud, God's MC, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. Peace. He's saying it like I'm a problem. Hey, how you doing? This is Rick Sincere with MTMV Sports, and today on the line I have Josh Musel. Talk to us today. Introduce yourself to the people. Tell us who you are. Uh, yeah, I'm Josh Musel. Um, matter of fact, uh, I'm a wildland firefighter. Uh, as we talked about a little earlier, but uh, uh, I also am the president and founder of Ambush Sports Network, uh, which is a sports site that covers uh, an abundance of sports. We started out with just MMA and golf and some fantasy football stuff and have really jumped into the uh, Alliance of American Football aspect, uh, which is really our, our big uh, topic right now. And our big, big coverage is uh, the AAF. So, Josh, you've had a um, you've had a chance to come on um, on MTNV Sports on a few different occasions, right? You're also co-host the show uh, with us. Is it Aftermath? Yes, Aftermath. Uh, it's the very first podcast I've really ever been uh, really uh, a part of, and uh, have a phenomenal time doing it. Um, just really a great a great time. I'm with the voice there, and. Uh, it's it's one of my my highlights whenever we get the, the chance to do that. Yo, that's awesome. Um, I know you've been covering AF um pretty heavy um lately, so I wanted to talk to you about you know week one and hop into you know something that we possibly think could happen in week two. So um, talk to me. Week one's finally in the books, man. Uh, what were some of the highlights for you of week one? Like, what are some of the things that happened that kind of you know blew you away a little bit in week one? Uh, first thing that, that really was impressive to me, and this might sound like some hometown bias because I was at the game and it's where I'm able to cover for the, the site, was the Apollos, the Orlando Apollos team in general. They had a phenomenal offense. The defense played phenomenally. Um, it was just really great to see essentially the product that they had kind of been promising us, uh, a really high up-tempo offense, and then just a really nasty and fast defense not necessarily the biggest on the field but the fastest on the field uh that was super impressive to watch and i got again getting to watch that in person and seeing the size and speed of those guys was great and uh honestly the defenses in general were actually were actually really impressive to me we had a, the shutout in the iron uh birmingham iron memphis express game uh honestly even though the memphis express were shut out the defense looked phenomenal. Didn't allow a touchdown, I believe, until the fourth quarter. Uh, the San Antonio and San Diego game uh, was a field goal contest, really. Uh, and, of course, if you've been on Twitter at all, you've seen the massive hit by Washington. <laughs> uh, that was not flagged. Just defense in general actually impressed me a lot in week one of the AAF and what has been basically dubbed as an offense in points league. To see defense come in and really make the statement in the first week was was something I didn't even expect. 
Do you think the defense is kind of winning the day? And I mean, you know, that that mostly happens even in training camp for NFL teams, that the defense kind of wins the day early because it's kind of it's a little bit more easier for defenses to get themselves together as opposed to offenses clicking and, and getting their timing down. Do you think by defenses kind of winning the day early, that's going to be good for the league? Or is it going to hurt them as they um, try to market in the first few months? If they continue to play defense like they did week one, I think it will help the league. Uh, We saw the defensive touchdowns. We saw the big hits. We saw the big sacks. Um, Honestly, there's some some defensive rules that really favor the offense, but to see the defense still overcome those those different rules and those different different pieces that are set in place, um, I really do think it's going to make defensive coordinators create more interesting and intriguing defensive formations, which I think will lead to more turnovers, which will lead to these sacks. And again, the, the big hit factors that are typically getting uh, flagged in the NFL are being portrayed, you know, it, it's football is it, kind of what they're going with. Um, I mean, obviously, as long as they're safe hits, I don't want to see any guys get hit in the head either. Uh, but you saw some big hits, and you saw big hits on quarterbacks. I do think that it is easier for defenses to start a season uh, just ahead because, again, simpler com- concepts. The offenses are typically simple, simpler complex uh, uh, formations, rather, early in the season until things do start to click. But um, I think if they can, if they allow the defenses to play the way they played Week One, I think that the defense will actually help this league. Because that's a big complaint in the NFL is let the defensive players play and offensive players are football players too. They, you know, let them get hit some. Yeah, that's been, um, I mean, I, I saw a lot of memes about that after after week one, right? That was, I mean, you, you assumed that I saw the hit because everybody saw the hit. And it was it was crazy. I kept seeing memes that, that said Roger Goodell was um, emailing that player right now and trying to find him. <laughs> <laughs> Like it was, it was all kind of stuff, and I think I think you're right. And people did, people love to see the quarterback get knocked out like that. And I think it's a little bit because it wasn't their quarterback yet, and I don't know if they've taken ownership yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it really, it was a good, it was a good look too when he was able to bounce back up, put the helmet on, and ready to play again. I mean, that it just showed. And when I got a chance to interview uh, Garrett Gilbert after the game, we asked him if he'd seen that hit. His his response was, no, I haven't seen the hit, but hey, man, we're football players too. We can take a lick and keep going. And if that's going to be the attitude, man, this is going to be uh, this is going to be what everybody's been clamoring for uh, for the last you know couple of years for football. Yo, talk to me. Who were some of the stars overall in Week One that stood out to you? Um, first one again. I'm, I'm just going to keep it here in Orlando. Jalen Marshall. Uh, Jalen Marshall looked phenomenal. I think he went three for four, had 51 yards in, in the first touchdown in AAF history. And then he also threw a touchdown in a Philly special type play that he threw the ball back to Garrett Gilbert. So he finished the game with two touchdowns, uh, 56 total yards. Um, but another uh, uh, another guy that, I, that impressed me, I mean, obviously Garrett Gilbert looked really good. John Wolford looked really good uh, with his four touchdowns. But Lewis Perez... Um, looked phenomenal. His story is really kind of a cool story. Uh, I would do it no justice. You can just probably Google Lewis Perez quarterback journey, and you can find all kinds of different things. But he looked really good. 
Uh, his stat line, his completion percentage is a little bit skewed because there had to have been probably nine or ten drops in that game. But he went for 252. Again, no touchdowns. Um, really no fault of his own because there were a couple that were definitely there and he had the opportunity. But Luis Perez looked really good and looks like the real deal as far as quarterbacks go. And then Greg Ward Jr. Uh, looked really good for San Antonio, a guy that I'm really interested in continuing to watch. And I think he went, uh, he had three receptions for 65 yards in a game that was essentially, essentially a field goal match. I think San Antonio did sneak in a touchdown run uh, late in the game, but Greg Ward Jr. looked looked phenomenal too. So let me ask you about Trent Richardson. Did you did you see him? How'd you feel? Um, and do you think, I mean, he, I think he scored twice. Do you think he'll have that type of success going forward? I actually do. I do believe that the running game of the AAF will start to catch up. I think really they're trying to push this high scoring, high passing, prolific thing. Um, Richardson did have his two touchdowns. I believe both were in the fourth quarter. I wasn't overly impressed. Uh, but I do think that, I mean, you've got to kind of account for, uh, you know, the, the off the field rust and getting back into the motion and really getting back into game, like actual football shape. Um, he did have 58 yards. He did have the two touchdowns. The two touchdowns were, were definitely good. I believe they're both from about five yards. I think they were both five yard touchdowns, but he did have 23 rushes for that 58 yards. Um, like, I don't know if that attributed to, again, that Memphis Express defense that, like I said, even though they got shut out, the defense looked really good. Um, We could just, you know, that could just kind of be conflated uh, that he only had the 58 yards on on 20, you know, 23 rushes. But uh, I I, I am impressed. I like the vision. I know that was a problem. You know, everybody, you've got the memes and everything that are still going around with Trent Richardson with the giant hole to his left and he's running into the line, um, his vision was actually pretty good. That defense was very quick for the Express. Uh, I do want to see more from Richardson, but I think that he's definitely on the right path, and I think that he's definitely going to be an asset for for this uh, Birmingham Iron team. Okay, so who do you ex- who did you expect a little more from in, in Week One? You looked at Trent Richardson. You said that you know he he did an okay job. Cool. Was there somebody who you really expected to really shine? in week one and they just disappointed you a little bit? Um, I don't know if I had anybody in particular outside of Trent Richardson, but I will say as a whole, I was left very wanting of both the Memphis Express offense and the Atlanta Legends offense. The entire offense. On paper, they had solid offenses. Um, and nothing really showed. And that could, again, be attributed to the defense because we're only at one game. I don't know if, you know, the offense was just bad or the defense was just that good. But I really was left uh, surprised with Atlanta's offense only scoring six points, two field goals, and then Memphis Express being shut out. Uh, Christian Hackenberg did not look good at all after what looked like a phenomenal preseason game. Um I mean, he, everything was there. I mean, he won the starting job because of the preseason game. So Hackenberg was somebody I, was, I wasn't necessarily expecting a lot from, but I was definitely interested in watching him play. To see him just do absolutely nothing, 
Uh, I think he had 85 yards, something like that. I can actually yeah, 87 yards in the interception on 10 for 23 passing. Uh, really was not something that I was expecting. Uh, another big surprise is Mettenberger was uh, actually inactive for that game. So I don't know if there was if he was a healthy scratch or what happened there. But Brandon Silvers actually came in in relief of Hackenberg in that game. And then just the Atlanta offense, which on paper was is is a phenomenal, arguably one of the best offenses in the league. Um, you had Denard Robinson. Uh, you've got uh, Aaron Murray and Matt Sims both played in this game. Uh, you're, you're it just I don't know it, it. Those two offenses as a whole really left me wanting more and trying to figure out what had happened. And then of course my individual player was Trent Richardson. Um, and a guy that I'm really going to kind of focus on watching for the rest of this year is, is, is Richardson really going to be this guy, this face, um, as he's kind of already been for this league. I was looking for, um, I was looking for Denard Robertson. Really. I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. And you're right with the Atlanta legends. Um, okay. I'm in Atlanta. I'm from new Orleans. So because I'm from new Orleans, it, it's kind of you know, taboo to be a, you know, a fan of anything Atlanta, but I live here, you know? So I'm like, you know, there's an AAF team. There's no New Orleans team. Why not? So I was going to um, start, you know, throwing my support the way of the legends, but I, I, based on what I saw week one, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hoping that that is just, a cohesion issue. I know that they lost Brad Childress, their head coach. I was going to ask you that. Ago, how and much? And Mike Vick two days before the game. I was going to ask you that. How much do you think that coaching change affected what they looked like um, in in week one? Losing Mike Vick. I thought Mike Vick was their offensive coordinator. Um, but then, you know, two days before, that's not the case. What, what do you think that did for them overall? I, I do think that's what slowed down that offense. Um, I think there's a couple of factors again to it. I think part of the reason that they that, that Mike Vick was moved, and if I heard correctly in the interview, we got a chance to speak with Jeff Fisher. They're going to move him into a role much like Heinz Ward's, which is like a player relations role, um, as opposed to this coaching role, and really get him into into knowing the league on the on the business aspect. Hopefully, he can get into coaching soon. But I do think that had a big part of it. They just had no idea. In my opinion, the Atlanta Legends had no offensive identity. They, they they looked good when they ran the football and then rolled the pocket to throw, and then they would stop doing that for three or four drives consecutively, and they would get stopped You know, in, in three to five plays, and then all of a sudden they would go back to this run the football, roll the pocket for Sims. Sims was making completions down the field as long as he had the time and was able to move the pocket. But then they would go right back into it. I think what they were doing was they had these plays that had been set up by Vic that were running and they were working, the ones they'd been working on. But they also had this script for this brand new two, you know, two days on the job offensive coordinator. And you could definitely tell which plays were coming out of almost which playbook. Um, the other one, the, the, the run it up the middle or just pass, pass, pass. Um, just did not work. I do think that this this Atlanta Legends team is too is just too good to have a, many more uh, six to forty losses. Yeah, that that was tough. Um, I'm looking at the 
Um, I'm, I'm looking at the Apollos. I love what I saw from them. Um, I'm looking at, I mean, Birmingham looked good too, right? I mean, they, they, I think finally they have a pro team in, in Alabama. I know they're excited. So I think, um, I think people will keep supporting them outside of, you know, I mean, just in general, do you believe that the league has staying power? I think so, and I do believe so. I think they've, they've done a great job in the marketing aspect. They, they haven't really gone crazy, and what their focus has been on is good football. And what we saw on Saturday and Sunday, in my opinion, is good football. You got a chance to watch these Apollos play. You got a chance to watch Birmingham. And then you got a chance to watch Arizona and Salt Lake in arguably the best game of the, of the year. I mean, obviously of the weekend of the year, I guess, technically. <laughs> In, in this uh, this kind of a shootout at twenty two thirty eight, um, they produced a good product, and I feel like, and I could be speaking just too broadly here, but I feel like if the AAF cannot make it, I don't know if another league can. They've done what they can do. They're producing a good product. They brought in the best people that they can bring in, uh, both for player relations, for player safety. They're big names. They're doing the tech stuff. They're, they're providing fans everything that the fans want. And I feel like if the AAF is just not going to succeed, I don't know if another league can. But I do truly believe just – and I know that I'm in the AAF Twitter sphere, but everything seems to be really good reviews coming from the top down. I mean, ESPN guys, Fox Sports guys, CBS guys, um, they're all talking really highly about what they saw on the weekend. Uh, the ratings came in really, really high. Uh, I do believe that this league has staying power. So you mentioned some of the tech stuff, right? What were some of the, the big football innovations? A lot of people went crazy about seeing the review and, and knowing what goes on under that hood for the first time in life, right? Um, there were a lot of football innovations. Which one of the football innovations introduced by the AAF last weekend um, You know, really was a highlight for you? Uh, I'll start with this one. It wasn't necessarily the one I, I was drawn to the most, but I thought it was the most impressive. It is all the chips and equipment they have in the gear. I actually was able to snap a picture um, of the players on the field pregame, and then I was able to open the app and screenshot the app, and you could see all the players side by side, both on the app and on the field. I thought that was incredibly impressive. Um, I mean, I know that it's been done for – the NFL's been doing it slowly. They've been adding pads, you know, thanks for the next-gen stats and the pads, but nobody's really ever done much with the football. Um, I mean, there's pads, or there's chips, rather, everywhere, in the pads, the helmets, and the footballs. Uh, I thought that was really impressive, and I know a lot of people were talking pretty pretty highly about the being able to follow, like, the animated game on the app if you could not watch it or if you were out someplace and how realistic it was. Uh, my favorite... My favorite part of the new rules and in, in the in the tech stuff, obviously the the your, the audience is in the booth with the review the review official. Uh, heard nothing but great things about that. Everybody's saying NFL needs to adopt this immediately because it just adds a level of transparency to a game that arguably too many people are talking about. You know the fixes in for certain things. I mean you you add that level of transparency when you show these plays on, on fumbles and in and, and catches and all these different things. I thought that was phenomenal. And I really was hoping to see, and I don't know if it happened on the Sunday games. I wasn't able to watch those ones um, as thoroughly. 
but I, I don't think that the Sky Judge was, was actually implemented on the Saturday games, at least definitely not in the Apollos game. But I'm really excited to see when and how that is implemented. And if you're not familiar with Sky Judge, Sky Judge is a, a, a separate official in a booth that is watching everything that goes on and can either correct a call, a bad call on the field, or can implement a missed call on the field. I'm really excited about that, and I think that's a cool thing that uh, obviously could have been used in both the AFC and NFC championship games in the NFL. So uh, I think that's a really cool piece of the of the puzzle they're trying to, to solve. Well, Josh, I know we don't talk that much, man, but for everybody who listens to Anytime I get on the podcast, they know I'm a Saints fan. And if anything that I know about the AAF, it's the Sky Judge. <laughs> if there's any innovation that, that I know about for sure, it's that one. The one ref that could have sent us to the Super Bowl. But anyway, so, uh, but yeah, I definitely know about that. Um, what are you expecting in week two, man? Uh, I'm expecting that the running games to catch up a little bit with the with the passing games. I'm expecting to see uh, more balance in the offenses. I'm not. Ex- I'm expecting closer games. Uh, I think that everybody's got a chance to get the jitters out. Um, has gotten a chance to now they have some game film. They can actually watch game film. They can actually try to script for their opponents even to start the halves. Um, I do expect. Just closer games. I expect that this that this running game starts to match what you saw with the passing games, uh, and I think you're just going to see again. I think you're going to see another good product, impossible, not even possibly. I believe 100. percent You're going to see it even better than what you saw week one. I think we're going to see more along the lines of Salt Lake, Arizona, than you did Birmingham, Memphis. Um, and also, the, even the matchups kind of match up better for my power rankings. To start the season, I had the Apollos at one. I had the Legends at six, or at eight. And then I had, um, I believe, Birmingham was in my top three. And the Express, I had at seven. So those kind of games played out like I thought they were going to. But uh, I, I do think you're going to have closer games. And I think you're going to see a little more lean on the run game. And uh, possibly even a couple of more of these gadget plays that seem to work for the teams that use them. Okay, so let, let's talk a little bit about week two, a little bit more about week two. I want to hop into predictions for week two and, and how do you see this all playing out? So Salt Lake Stallions, um, who are I think zero oh and one right now, play against the Birmingham Iron um this Saturday. That's the first game. What do you think will happen in that game? Who do you think will win and why? I think I'm going to lean on the Iron. I think the Iron are going to be uh, one of the first away teams to, to steal a win. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, all four home teams won week one. Uh, I do think that the Iron are going to be able to go into Salt Lake. I think with the strong defense, and most likely they're going to lean back on the run. Like I said, I believe they ran the ball considerably more than any of the other teams did. Uh, I think Trent Richardson – is, is just going to, whether he's effective or not, is going to wear down the defense, and you have to respect Trent Richardson. And I think that the, the Iron are going to clean up some of those drops, and if they clean up some of those drops, I think Lewis Perez, if, if they would have caught half of the ones that they dropped, then he would have been well over 300, uh, 300 yards and at least a touchdown. So I think that the Birmingham Iron really have got a, a complete team 
And, of course, that defense is just very, very strong, super fast, and is able to break up a lot of stuff. I think they're going to be able to kind of slow down Salt Lake's offense. I think they're going to be able to do it with their own offense and that defense. So I've got Birmingham Iron. Is Perez going to be the one of the stars of this league? I think he has the opportunity to be. Um, I know he's got a, a really cool story. Uh, and I think he really comes out and, and deduces a baller. I mean, he looked really good. Footwork was there. Uh, escape in the pocket. I mean, just everything looked really good for Perez. I was very impressed. I think I even said a tweet when I was able to uh, watch the game. I even tweeted something about it. That, you know, this guy's the real deal. Um, again, his, his numbers didn't look as great. Like I said, I believe if I counted correctly, he had eight drops uh, throughout that game. And if they would have caught you know, half of those, he would have been sitting at 23 of 33 and over 300 and a touchdown, uh, which would have put him, I believe, the, the leader, the passing yards leader. And, uh, you know, again, just an even more impressive stamp on, on the already impressive victory. Mm. There's there's two games on NFL Network this weekend. One is on Saturday. It's the Arizona Hot Shots um, at the Memphis Express. Um, that's happening at eight o'clock on NFL Network, and it's cool to see the NFL, um, you know, offering their network for the AAF. Um, my question is, who do you have winning in that game, and, and why? I'm going Arizona Hot Shots on this one. I believe the Arizona Hot Shots are one of the top two teams in the league. I think they're a, a relatively complete team. I don't think their defense is as strong as the Apollos. But their offense is obviously just absolutely on fire. Uh, John Wolford is not a guy that's going to knock your socks off, and he's not a super flashy player. But he's, he's a guy that's going to throw for 275 and four touchdowns if you give him the opportunity to. And Salt Lake gave him the opportunity to. Uh, he was the uh, Alliance of America Football Offensive Player of the Week. Um, I think that he's going to continue that. I don't know if he's going to have another four touchdowns, but he adds a little bit of a threat with his legs. I think he rushed eight times for about 25 yards. Um, nothing crazy, nothing, you know, uh, out of, you know, just going to, again, blow you away. But Wolford um, is able to lead this offense and do it well. They had some really good running game going on. Presley went for 64 uh, in Stockton at 46. I think they've got a super balanced offense as well. Um, I, I just, I mean, and obviously, I think Memphis is still trying to figure out exactly their identity uh, offensively. Again, defensively, they look phenomenal. But with no offense and your defense is on the field as much as it is, you're going to give up touchdowns in the fourth quarter, much like they did with the Iron. Um, I'm going to go with Arizona Hot Shots. Okay. Um I want to, you know what, I'm going to save the best for last, even though they're not the last game. Um, I, I know you don't mind talking about the Apollo, so I'm going to save that analysis for the last one. Uh, let's hop into the Atlanta Legends at San Diego Fleet. Who do you have for that one? This one's actually interesting. I am going with the Atlanta Legends on this one. Um, they actually impressed me on defense. Uh, I, I know it sounds crazy when they give up 40 points, but the defense was actually pretty solid. Um, they they were able to kind of limit any big plays, and everything was kind of happening underneath. Again, with game film, able to go back, watch that, that game film. I think they'll be able to clean that up a little bit. Um, again, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of the scoring and stuff happened in the fourth quarter. There was actually a defensive touchdown that happened and uh, a couple other interceptions that led to field goals to add to that score. Nothing that you can really attribute to the defense. The defense looked really good. 
Um, and I've got to assume that that offense is going to figure out something. Hopefully they watch the game film themselves and realize, hey, if we run the ball and roll the pocket, that opens up this offense a ton. Um, that fleet offense and defense is good, but I don't think either one are exceptionally great. I think the the edge goes to the legends with having a, a great defense. And again, on paper, one of the best offenses in the league. If they can figure out something, this will be it. I mean, they were embarrassed in the first week. They've got this now, this this opportunity uh, to have an entire week under this this offensive coordinator to figure out what they're going to do to really get back to the identity of this team. I think if the offense can click at all, this defense is going to be able to keep the, the, the score low. And all they've got to do is score a couple a couple more points, much like the first week against San Diego, uh, where San Antonio was able to just to outlast them a little bit. And I've got Atlanta Legends, actually. Wow. I, I, I thought, based on what we talked about earlier, I thought, well, based on some of your predictions earlier, I thought that we're looking more at um, high teams staying high and low teams staying low. But you actually have a comeback for, for the Atlanta Legends and, and them, you know, doing something well this week. That's a little bit surprising. Um, so, you know, I, I hope, well, I don't know. I'm not a fan yet, but I hope that you're right. Um, the Orlando Apollos versus the San Diego Commanders, um, it's kind of based on what we've seen last week, maybe shaping up to be, um, one of the most competitive or kind of best games of the weekend. Um, do you feel that way? And who do you have winning in that one? I absolutely feel that way. This is actually my, my game of the week. Um, Whereas last week, my game of the week was actually supposed to be Memphis and Birmingham. So I missed that one. But I'm expecting this one here to be a really, really good game. I don't know which way it's going to go as far as is this going to be a uh, a super offensive game or is this just going to be a battle of who's going to run the ball more effectively and who's going to stop the other quarterbacks. You're talking about two really good defenses. Uh, San Antonio has a really good offensive line. Um, is the speed of the Apollos going to be able to get around that big offensive line they have in San Antonio? I think that's the biggest tell. And then is this four-headed monster that the uh, Orlando Apollos have going to be able to get around the defense that the commander showed, you know, start to finish against the fleet last week? Um, I really think that's what it's going to come down to. Is, is size, speed, and are they going to be able to balance this offense? I think if they do, I still think that the better team, both offensively and defensively, is the Orlando Apollos. I think that they also travel to San Antonio, and they pick up a road win. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, you see them, um, really, do you think they're the favorites to win the whole league? I believe they are tied. I think they started the season tied for second by Vegas to win the league and I believe they have now moved in tied with the uh, hot shots for first to win the league and, and you know odds wise um, I do I, I, I very easily could see this being an Arizona in Orlando championship game at the end of this year in April um, again I, I want to see more to see what we got going on again I didn't have Atlanta ranked very high so I'm not really looking at a 40 to six as oh man this team's unstoppable, um, especially with what Atlanta went through. You know, just the week of their game, uh, really the day before they traveled. Uh, but this game, I believe, right here can actually be telling if they're able to go into San Antonio, uh, 
who's already doing really well in ticket sales. <laughs> so they're going into a very hostile arena um, to take on a very talented defensive team. Um, the offense isn't quite there yet, but a very good defensive team, which can limit those 40 points, um, it's going to have to show. If Orlando's able to gut this out, if, if Orlando beats San Antonio 40-6, to six, then, I mean, I'll be incredibly impressed, and I would have to say yes, 100%. They're the favorites to win. But I don't know if that's going to happen. I think this will be a little closer. Um, I would assume probably in the 20s to high teens. So I would say like a 23-17 type game um, just with two really good defenses. Yo, you are the man. Thank you so much for all your like really in-depth, like super awesome knowledge of the AAF. If if nobody, if, if people don't know, right, like anything about the AAF, and what to expect for week two after they hear this podcast, I'm pretty sure they're going to be able to talk to their friends about the AAF as if they're talking, you know, NFL or anything else, right? Like, they'll listen I, to the podcast. So. What'd you say? I said I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. I think they. I, I think for sure. You listen to the podcast, right? Then you go out and talk to your friends about players they didn't know before. <laughs> and then you say it with some authority, right? Then all of a sudden, you're the expert now on AAF. I, I think that's perfectly, you know, okay. I want to give the I want to give the people who are listening a chance to get more information from you. Where can they find your stuff, uh, and, and where can they follow what you're doing? Um, yeah, if you want to follow me, um, and I try to to talk with anybody and everybody that wants to to talk about anything sports related, especially AAF. You can find me on Twitter at Bearded Moose. Uh, but that is Moose with two zeros, so it's Bearded M zero zero S E. Uh, on Twitter, and if you want to check out the just phenomenal writers that we have, or you want to check out really in-depth articles and predictions and power rankings, everything there is to do with AAF or MMA or any other sports, you can check out Ambush Sports on Twitter, and that's just at Ambush Sports. And uh, on Instagram is at ambushsports.network. You can find anything there. If you want to go to the website, it's just ambushsportsnetwork.com. Awesome. Yo, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Yo, so, um, look, we'll be definitely in contact, and we'll be following you as you follow the AAF. We look forward to speaking to you again soon. All right, thank you. I had a great time. Awesome. Hey, this is Rick Sincere with MTMV Sports. If you're listening to the podcast right now and you love what you're hearing, do me a favor. Go to iTunes, and what I need you to do is just go there and give us a five-star rating. Okay, cool. If you want to do a four, that's whatever. But still, give us a good rating, right? And then tell us what you love about um, what you love about what we're doing over here. Please feel free to give any comments or suggestions. Um, and if you are not ready to give us that five-star rating, you want to say, you know what? There's so much you guys can improve on. Don't put that on there. Just um, go ahead and send me a DM, right? And, uh, <laughs> and you can find us at MTNV Sports on Twitter and Instagram, and we would love to hear from you. All right, that's all we have for today. God bless. Have a great day. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Damo, from the MTMV Sports Podcast Network, here to tell you about the most dangerous wrestling podcast around, The Outsider's Edge, hosted by myself, my homie Jay Kells, and my homie Sam Blackwell, bringing you the latest and greatest in the world of pro wrestling. So no matter what device you're using, what platform you're on, we've got something for you. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Republic, the Anchor app, or Spotify. 
whatever device you're using, whatever platform of your choice, look us up at MTMV Sports, my team, my voice, Sports Podcast Network, and look up the Outsiders Edge. And if you don't, we hitting you with a bionic elbow out this mug. Yeah. <laughs>